From the center of the hockey universe, this is the Off the Post Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Off the Post. I'm your host, John Mattis of Post Media, and my colleague, Michael Trakos, is here in studio. It is trade deadline day. The deadline has passed about two hours now, and uh, we're both pretty tired, but uh, we're here to talk about... uh, the topic of the day, all those trades that happened. <laughs> the deadline passed, really? <laughs> it did. It truly passed. Oh, God. It felt like it passed days ago. Like it, This was a, I don't know. It always seems like every trade deadline is just one of those ones where you're going, oh, maybe this guy's going to get moved. Maybe this guy's going to get moved. Oh, wow. Let's put a list together of like 50 names, and then it actually comes around. <laughs> it's just such a dud. And this year in particular, I don't think there was any – Big names to begin with, like I think we were really stretching with Duchesne and Landeskog. I, I don't think anyone really thought that they were going to get moved, but yeah, this one felt like even worse than uh, years past. I feel like we have to like get together as a hockey community, media fans, and just be like, the deadline's a thing, but let's not make it the thing of the season and build up for two months. And then when the day comes, we're always disappointed because there's about 20 trades, about, you know, Five or six are strictly AHL. The other 15 vary in degrees of, you know, average to meh to like, there's a couple good ones here and there, but the day of is always so disappointing. I think we should make rule changes to it. Like ah. <laughs> you're, you're forced to take one top six forward <laughs> off your roster. <laughs> like you have to, you have to make trades. That would be great for entertainment. Yeah, put them all in a room. Um, have it almost like have it at the GM meetings, put them all the, uh, all the general managers in a room together Flying with alcohol. <laughs> Get alcohol involved. Yeah, and let's go from there. I remember, like, Gort Stelic was telling a story about Harold Ballard um, making a trade for Frank Mahovlich or trading Frank Mahovlich, and it was for $1 million cash, and it, it happened at a bar. And the next wow. morning, um, they, they, they shook hands on it. The next morning, <laughs> Ballard woke up like, what? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trading Mahalich. you crazy. <laughs> and the trade just like falling apart. Imagine that happening today. Oh, obviously it's got to go through all these different people before it becomes official, but yeah. that would be something. I love those old trade talks. It, it makes these days seem a lot more boring because really what, what was the biggest trade? Like I just Googled NHL trade. And the top one was Jerome McGinley, and the second well, <laughs> number, uh, the second trade on the list was Frankie Corrado going from Toronto to uh, <laughs> yeah. Pittsburgh. So, I don't I, know. I mean, obviously, Corrado shows up because you're in Toronto and Google likes that you're Maybe Toronto. not. Maybe but, not. But nevertheless, the biggest name, arguably, that got traded on deadline day so we're excluding Shattenkirk and Bishop. I would say maybe Thomas Vanek, even though he's all basically going off his, his old previous performance as opposed to the here. Well, the here and now has been pretty good. But, I mean, I don't know if anyone's uh, falling over themselves for Vanek, you know, long term. He, he, he'll he be an all right player, I mean, for, for down the stretch run. But Yeah, it's funny. Um, and, and at the same time, I don't really think – adding Vanek is going to make Florida a cup contender no. or maybe even a playoff contender uh, for that matter. Um, when I'm looking at which teams benefited the most on actual deadline day, I know them the deal happened a day ago because of, uh, or happened, I guess, after midnight. So technically it was a deadline deal, but Yannick Hansen going to San Jose, like that's a team that should be competing for a cup. And they actually did get a little better there by getting some speed in Hansen and, 
think that's actually going to help out the Sharks. Yeah, Hanson's obviously a, one of those complimentary top six players. He's not going to drive a line, but... Could play he, on the third line, could yeah. play... Like, I think someone referred to him as a seventh forward. That's basically. interesting. Yeah, so kind of... In the middle there somewhere? Yeah. But yeah, yeah that's definitely... I guess you, if you group that in with, with today, today being Wednesday, uh, then that would make a lot of sense. But I... I don't know. Is there an argument over what the best deal was or the biggest name was over the last week or so? It's got to be Kevin Shattenkirk going to the Capitals, correct? I would think so. And, like, that move instantly. Like, Washington was a dangerous team before that move was made. Can Uh, we talk about their power play for a second? (laughs) Like, it's silly when you're going, oh, does Shattenkirk maybe make it so that Carlson goes on the second unit? Like, that's not fair. Yeah, Carlson's (laughs) already fine on the first unit. (laughs) That is just not fair. So. And Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Backstrom, Oshie. Like, these guys are all elite power play yeah. players. So, watch out for getting penalties against them. Or I like that Washington's taking, uh, taking that too. kind of leap. Like, eventually, you have to say, especially after watching what San Jose did last year, you have to say, listen, eventually we've got to make a push. And it's either going to come come around organically or let's really help our guys and i think that gives players a boost i think um when ovechkin walked into the dressing room and he saw shattenkirk was in there he thought okay like management's done their part now it's just for us to kind of go ahead and win a cup and i liked the the angle that a lot of people were taking where the the capitals are more or less aware that that shattenkirk is probably going to new york that seems to be the one place with the rangers that that he seems to be headed towards in, in free agency. So I'm a, I'm in the camp of like, uh, if we're going to go for it, we got to go for it. And I don't really care what's in our way or if it makes sense. The Capitals, they're not running out of time. I'm not going to say they're running out of time, but with the team that they have and how powerful they are, especially in the regular season, they want that to translate to the playoffs. And this adds another layer, another weapon to their attack that – Really, I mean, I don't know if there's an argument against them being the favorite for the Cup now. I guess you could throw a couple other teams there between Chicago and Minnesota. I don't know if Columbus is there. but Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. San Jose. But if you line all those teams up and on paper and just sort of, you know, the coach of, of the coaching of Barry Trotz and all the X factors on Washington, it's hard to not give them the check mark for favorite. Here's how I look at it. You pick your spots, right? So this year, I think if you look at the landscape, it is fairly wide open. You don't have that dominant team. And if you're uh, Washington, you're going, okay, maybe we're that dominant team. So this is a year where we can go all in and say, okay, it, it makes a lot of sense. It's not like they're going all in and you're going, really? They're, they're doing it this year with how Chicago is structured or with how Pittsburgh is going on. Like, how are they even going to get through that? Maybe they shouldn't have done it this year. So – that's how I say it. And in Washington, like pick your spots, and this is a great time to go all in. On the flip side, if I'm a Canadian team and I'm going at the deadline, and you saw this today, um, Montreal picked its spots. They didn't go hard. They didn't put all their chips in. Neither did Toronto. Neither did Ottawa. Neither did Edmonton. Uh, a lot of teams there are playoff teams, and they can make some noise in the playoffs, but they're also looking at it going, okay, on paper, we don't match up against the Washingtons or the Chicagos or the San Jose's. And let's make some little kind of uh, depth moves. And I thought that was a perfect move. A year, maybe two years from now, if Edmonton decides to throw all their chips in and say, listen, we're going to make a push for a cup because now we're that much older. 
We've got that experience. Same thing with Toronto a couple years down the road. If Matthews has got his feet wet in the playoffs and they're ready to actually make that push, I have no problem if they go in. But this year wasn't the year to do it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. If my whole shtick on the the Maple Leafs all year in terms of trading is I don't care how well it goes. It's not your team isn't there yet. You're not in the upper echelon. So what is the point of mortgaging the future? You do want to act relatively fast on the fact that Matthews, Nylander, and Marner are on entry-level deals. So maybe next deadline you you make a splash, maybe another the biggest splash, maybe you, you you know what I mean? You you get involved. Um, I guess they got involved a little bit with Brian Boyle this year, but yeah, it wasn't exactly moves, yeah, like it wasn't a guy. it wasn't anything where you went wow they're really you know taking this rebuild to the next level. It was just sort of okay that's that makes sense. All right, maybe that'll you know get them into the playoffs or or you know push them a little bit. But I like that uh, Lou Lamorello and Brandon Shanahan held back, and there were a couple teams that did that. And finally, if we can transition to the Vancouver Canucks, oh they've they've obviously decided that we are not a good team and they started selling assets finally yeah not a full sell job no 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 and to their defense trading the sedines is all next to impossible why because <laughs> they're a package deal and they cost a ton and i'm pretty sure they have uh, no trade clauses or at least some sort of power but you know what i mean where okay they, they went, they've been in denial for so long it wasn't a fire sale though Joe. no absolutely not no and should it be in should it be a fire sale with what they have right now it probably should be. Like, fine, you move Hansen, uh, you move Burroughs. Do they move anyone else? I think that's that's it, at like, least in terms of roster players. Look at what Toronto moved last year. Dion Phaneuf, and then I think six other guys, including yeah. uh, Daniel yeah. Winnick, Roman Polak, Nick Spalling, Sean Mathias. Um, probably forgetting a couple names there. Um, and, and it was ridiculous. And, and, and that's kind of what you have to do. Like, I know they probably didn't have as many UFAs that you could have moved, but – I don't know. Like I have problems with teams that just don't recognize what they are and where they're going. And for me, Vancouver doesn't recognize what they are and they don't recognize where they're going because this needs to change in a hurry. They, they need to take advantage of the Sedins while they still have some actual currency in the league. Yeah. And you make a po- good point, but I just, I, th- I liked what Benning got in return in terms of uh, the prospects they got back and the picks and, I mean, he could have held on to them, and he could have went, "No, we, you know, we're we're forging through, and we're not <laughs> we're not looking at this realistically." So at least there's like there's a tint, a tint, or a, right. a little bit of you know <laughs> we're we're throwing this away. But yeah, it's such a it's more or less an awkward situation in Vancouver because the Sedins are just there. They're they're good. <laughs> don't get me wrong, they're good players and everything, but it's never a full rebuild until they're out of the picture. Yeah, I would love to see them play separate. Oh, it'd be like, great. Why not? Like, why? Why is that blasphemous? I don't know. Like, well, why, why can't even we even mention the fact that Daniel might play for one team and Hendrick might play for another? Yeah, it's wild. It's never happened. Like, no. even going back to when they were like wee kids growing up in Sweden. But I don't know. It's just I look at what where every other Canadian team is going, and maybe Ottawa is the exception because I don't th- necessarily think they're um, they've got the youth where they're trending up in the same way that an Edmonton and a Winnipeg and a Toronto. Um, is trending, but um, every other team you're looking at, like the Montreal, like uh, Montreal, uh, the Canadians, uh, every team seems to be going uh, in a trajectory that uh, this year is not going to be as good as next year, is not going to be as good as two years from now. Whereas I look at Vancouver and I'm going, what are they going to look like a few years from now? And same thing maybe with the Ottawa as well. Um, they lose Curtis Lazar and 
Um, granted, they weren't utilizing him, and he's a 21-year-old, and he needs to play, and maybe that was a good show of faith by Pierre Dorian and saying, okay, um, we're obviously not doing you justice, so go to another market and, uh, and get it done. But um, I think it needed to happen for both sides. Lazar obviously wasn't producing, so that's a negative for the team and for himself. It just I would have liked to have been a, pros- like a, a similar player coming back. I just I don't know if you can justify that if you're the other team because Lazar has done pretty much nothing. Like, How about a declare for Lazar, like that kind of move, where you got yeah, one maybe. guy who's not realized his, his potential and you trade him for another, like like that kind of move. Yeah, like, okay. We, we see those all over the place. Like Kyle Turris was traded for, uh, was it David Runblad at the time? Or That's a weird trade in hindsight. Yeah, but you know, Eric, <laughs> but yeah, John, I know what Eric you mean. Johnson was moved for uh, Chris Stewart, I believe. Am I getting these wrong? But, you know, it's, it's always like a like-minded prospect who maybe isn't uh, realizing his potential for another like-minded prospect. It's Van Riemsdyk for Shen, like that kind of deal. I, I would have rather have seen that. The thing with Lazar, and this isn't just, you know, s- strictly on the Senators and the way that they look at things. This is sort of a hockey-wide thing. When you're a first-rounder, all of a sudden you're like a prize possession. doesn't matter if it's three years down the road and you haven't done anything in the NHL. It's like, well, he's a first-rounder. Like, for some reason, that's always carries such clout when really – if you know, if he went a few spots back, oh, he's a second rounder. Now all of a sudden, he's not as prized. It, it just it seems to be like an unfair tag for the player and for the team. It's just, I mean, I guess it's something you can't really get out of. It's just well, the fact of the matter. Saw something but, in you, right? Yeah, I know. I get that. I get Cody that. You Hodgson went through the same thing as a first rounder. Dylan Strom might be the next guy where we're going. Yeah, third overall. Like, why aren't you in the NHL? Why aren't you putting up Marner like numbers? And um, who knows what. Luke Dubois' future holds, but he, he might be in the similar camp where you're going, hmm, how come Kachuk's doing this? And how come other guys who are drafted below you are doing this? So I, I hear you. There's a lot of There's just expectations. Ho- yeah, they like you they seem to teams seem to hold on to first rounders so much more and That's be like, No, we want to squeeze so much out of this. But it's, at some point, smart GMs go, All right, this didn't work out, let's move on and let's m- you know, let's maneuver. Years old, man. Yeah. But he's, they, he's had a lot of he's had a lot of NHL experience at this I point. Know. I heard Bruce Garriott talking today on TSN, and he was saying, "Well, part of this is Lazar's fault. He hasn't been able to kind of grab hold or force his way into a, a lineup." But I also look at him, looking at his minutes and how many coaches he's had since coming to Ottawa, and how he was almost "quote unquote" rushed into the league. And I don't know. I, I think you've got to do a better job of developing. Um, we saw what Lazar could do at the World Junior stage. We, I saw him firsthand in the, at the Memorial Cup playing for uh, Edmonton Oil Kings, I yep. believe. And he's a good player. Um, I, I just really hope that Calgary um, uh, is able to develop him and that uh, Senators, at the end of the day, are almost kicking themselves for allowing a, a talented young guy that hasn't even come close to uh, achieving what his potential is. Yeah, the change of scenery angle is – it it totally makes sense in some scenarios sometimes it doesn't work out and it's just kind of your you're uh, throwing a hail mary but i guess we'll see what happens with lazar i'm curious at the other end of on other end of the spectrum Jerome mcginla a guy at the at the very end of his career he's 39 he was asked today i believe on tsn uh you know what is this your last run at it and he didn't really give a full answer i think he said he's 50 50 on coming back so he goes to the kings who aren't you know exactly a contender but you know, a, lo- a lot better situation than his his former one with with the Avalanche. There, he has eight goals this year. Clearly, he's fallen off in terms of the amount of production. But I mean, with that shot, that basically it's a legendary shot. 
I don't know if you can put him on the power play and, and ignite him in some way and, and limit his minutes at five on five. I don't know. They might be able to find a spot for him. Yeah, if you get into the playoffs and he gets you one playoff goal, I think it's worth it. And a lot of times that that ends up being it. Like just one or two goals in the playoffs can really make or break a, a deadline acquisition. Obviously, he's getting reunited with Daryl Sutter, who he played for many years in Calgary. And you know he's going to a team where if they make the playoffs as the eighth seed or the seventh seed, I would not want to play them. No. Not with a healthy Jonathan Quick. And not with how many battle-tested guys they have. Like, would you count out Kopitar or Doughty or Jeff Carter, especially the way Carter's been playing this year? He's basically scored all their goals, and I'm not even kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he's scored, like, uh, off the top of my head, like, around, like, 30% of the goals so, or something. That, that's a team that – and didn't they win the Cup as an eighth seed? So, yeah, they did. Yep. So you can never count out L.A. Um, and Jerome going there, it's not an expectation that he's going to play on the first line or even the second line. Like, he was talking about – um, he doesn't know what his role is going to be. Quite possibly, could be as a third line winger, um, maybe second power play guy. Um, and he's just depth. Like you've got Marion Gabrick, who also is uh, um, long in the tooth there. Um, obviously, a lot more wheels than uh, Jerome has. But like you said you put the puck on the stick uh, in the slot, and no one's really better than Jerome over the years. Yeah, I just think you see what's happened with Sam Gagne in Columbus. He's tailed off towards the end of the season here, but to start the season, he was crushing it on the power play and he wasn't playing much five on five so he was kind of that specialist and I wonder if again look can at least morph into that a little bit like a, like a portion of that um but two years ago didn't he score like 20 some odd goals too I like, think so so but you know, everyone on Colorado's has terrible numbers yeah. this year like you look at from McKinnon to Duchesne to Landis Cog, like everyone's just having a miserable year so uh, I wouldn't necessarily say oh he's only got eight goals this year for yeah, again that's like, fair Put him in a put him with a team that actually knows what they're doing. Uh, actually has some structure, and like I said, Sutter knows exactly what he's getting with again. He's had him. It's not the same Jerome he had in Calgary, but he knows what he 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 knows his game backwards and forwards like more than anyone else. So uh, maybe this is one of those ones like uh, Johnny Oduya going back to Chicago, where yeah. the fit just makes sense. Yeah, Oduya went back. There was a couple of those, I guess Oduya again, but then you don't see Shane Doan move. He was sort of on all these lists as possible uh, trade piece on his way out of the Coyotes organization, but he remains, and it comes on the heels of the Hansel trade uh, a few days ago. And I don't know if – did you see it, the clip of him talking? So yeah, on, it was really weird. For those who don't know, an intermission interview between Doan and, and a Fox Sports reporter, they ask him about the trade. This is It's very fresh, like a couple hours old. Um, and he was flabbergasted. He basically, he, he, he held his tongue, but he more or less gave off the vibe. Like, so what's going on with this organization? What exactly is the direction? Because, you know, as much as they were s sellers and obvious sellers, he felt that they didn't really get win now or win soon return. And, and also, I think there's a level of frustration with Shane Doan and there's a buy-in factor from him going, okay, oh, yeah. what this team changing over GMs. Okay, they're, they're going to do the right thing, and they, they keep telling them, oh, this year's going to be different. This year's going to be different. we got prospects. We're going to make a push. The guys, all you keep seeing is just players leave, um, whether it's Hansel or whoever. Um, year after year, they just keep losing their best or more experienced players, and there's got to be some frustration there with Shane because, I don't know, we're talking about the Sedins, and there's some romanticism about um, the good old for, days. Yeah, we're yeah. just even playing for the same team yeah. year after year. And 
really get invested in the in the community and the city. Um, Don is very much an Arizona guy, even though he's not from Arizona. Like it just, um, I think he really wants to make it work, and I think there's just a level of frustration there where. Um, I think at the end of the day, he knows that players need to be moved. Uh, it's not working this year. And at the same time, he's still a little PO'd just on how the season has gone and how what the direction of the team is. Underrated storyline, I'm going to throw this at you. The Dallas Stars traded away three very bearded guys. <laughs> Pat's playoff beard. <laughs> pa- Patrick Eves, Jordy Ben, and Johnny Oduya all have phenomenal beards, and they're all gone. Can you explain this? You know, they, they peaked too soon. <laughs> they peaked, their beards just grew too long. Dallas had to get rid of them. They knew it wasn't going to work out. Yeah, it's funny. Hey? Like, Jordy Ben's got a nice one, oh, actually, it's, too. It's yeah. really nice. Oh, do you? I don't know if anyone's got a thicker beard in the NHL. I guess Garrison is up there. Have you seen Eves, though? He's His is, like, more like... His is old-timey. Yeah, like, it's... colonial. He's, he's going to the Civil War. Oh, like... those those memes are amazing. Like, Annabelle, <laughs> yeah. I write you Dearest from Annabelle. the 19th century. It's the best. What what did you think of, and we're backtracking a bit here, uh, the Ben Bishop-Budai trade? Ben Bishop going to the Kings, it was definitely, I don't know if maybe I wasn't paying attention to the right rumors, but I did not see that coming. I didn't see it coming. I feel bad for Peter Budai. Like, Jonathan Quick gets injured in the first game of the season. You're going, oh, there it goes, L.A. season. And Budai comes in and basically has been a top three goalie for the entire year, goes through a rough stretch in, what, the last week or so, and then just gets moved out and like, wow, hockey, sports, professional sports is a tough business, but that just, that's got to eat his heart out. I, yeah. I, I didn't like it. I don't really know what the Kings long-term play is here. I don't know if they're. I thought Bishop was getting moved. I thought it was one of those, or they were going to announce the next day. Oh, by the way, Jonathan Quick isn't as yeah, good as Like there's a was. more to the story sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. And turns out, I don't think there is. Like, I think it's just like, all right, we need insurance here and. Maybe Bishop's a guy that just they lose to Vegas at the expansion draft. I don't know what they're thinking. Maybe smarter people know, um, have developed a conspiracy theory there. But, yeah, I just felt bad for Peter Budai because without him uh, playing the way he had, LA's not even close. Like, they're they're looking at, um, okay, so is Nolan Patrick going to be the best prospect this year because we're definitely going to be in that race. He gets him into a basically um, right on the cusp of a playoff spot. Yeah, he's he's basically done what they've asked him to do. More, more than that, I don't think you could even ask Peter Budai to do that. Like it, it was unreal. It's um, got to be tough too. I mean, they're backup goalies. They obviously want to be starters, but the actual workload, taking on more games, it can't be easy in terms of just your preparation and sort of your body. And you must get used to being a backup. I know Budai was a starter back in the day with uh, Colorado and had some success there, but kind of being, and I believe he started in the AHL this year. Like, like for the first game, I I believe he wasn't on the bench. So like, it it was a pretty uh, sudden rise for him. So he must've been feeling all right that, you know, the organization must like me. And then boom, uh, he's traded to Tampa, which isn't a terrible place to land by any means, but he's clearly the backup there to Andre Vesilevsky. It's weird with goalies. Like I I know Ryan Miller doesn't get moved this year. I I thought he was going to be another guy that was prime, um, a prime goalie for getting moved. And it's just such a weird market. Like, I I don't know how to explain it. I thought Calgary was going to be in the market for goalies, but then they suddenly get hot. And then maybe that took him out of the running for getting a guy like Miller. Um, I thought Cam Talbot was going to get some help as a backup goaltender. Uh, or get a backup goaltender for some help, and uh, Edmonton decided not to make a move. So 
So it's always kind of screwy uh, at the deadline, uh, either what goalies go for or where they go. And this year was no exception. Like uh, like you said, I didn't see Bishop going to L.A. I thought there were other markets that uh, could quite possibly need him. I thought him going to Winnipeg would probably made the most sense. Yeah. Uh, and then re-signing him also. But, yeah, who knows? You can never really tell. And you go through the list of teams that made trades and you end up on the Jets and Kevin off known for not – making many trades he's just what for whatever reason he sits on his hands during the deadline period and and just generally he makes only a couple trades a year at most best trade he didn't make this year jacob chuba oh yeah well that's yeah let's talk about that for a second (laughs) that absolutely like i'm for the jets sake i'm glad that that's worked out and truba seems happy uh he's getting two or three more minutes a game and is really solidifying himself he's going to get paid when he becomes um a free agent so Good for him and the Jets. I guess you know they didn't they didn't cave when he asked for for a trade. So, and then today, like I alluded to, Shovel Day off one to to kind of watch everything and and see what other guys are doing before pulling the trigger. He just traded Drew Stafford right at the end uh, towards the deadline there, and a guy who's going to be UFA, a guy who hasn't really helped his team this year. I thought it was a good move in terms of just unloading something that that you don't need. Yeah, I think they got a conditional six-rounder back for him. Yeah, so it wasn't much. It's basically acknowledging the fact that, okay, you're not coming back, so let's get something, anything for you. And, you know, Winnipeg, unlike Vancouver, their hands were tied in terms of what they could have done at the deadline. I think aside from Straf- uh, Stafford, uh, Paul Postma and Andre Pavlik were their only UFAs. I don't so, know if anyone wants Pavlik at this point. Exactly. And Paul Postma, like, what is he, a depth defenseman? Yeah. And then he's not a guy that's going to push the needle or get you maybe even a conditional six-round pick back for. So, and you got to play the games at the end of the season. So um, they don't make a whole lot of noise. Same time, this Jets team had underachieved. And when they're underachieving, you just have to look at their goaltending uh, as the reason. So, you know, in the summer, um, they're either going to say, uh, let's make our bed with uh, Hellebuck and Hutchinson and continue with those guys, or they're going to get some help. And there, there's going to be some candidates. And we mentioned Ben Bishop. He's probably going to be one of them. Um, but really, they're not far away. Like uh, like I mentioned with Vancouver, I think Winnipeg is in a completely different spot when you look at what Patrick Laine has already done as a rookie, what Nikolai Ehlers has done. Mark Scheifele is already one of the top centers in the in the league. And um, they got Bufflin, uh, big buff on defense. So they're, they're not missing a whole lot of pieces there. And they still have a ton of prospects, whether it's uh, Kyle Connor or Jack Roslevic coming up. Uh, we saw a bit of Josh Morrissey this year. So I really like where Winnipeg is situated. They just need a little better help in that. And I think they'll be fine. Yeah, big Josh Morrissey fan. And there's a team, and I mentioned this on the last podcast, I had Ken Weebon of the Winnipeg Sun, and we were talking exclusively about the Jets. They're just them and the Flames have a similar trajectory in my mm-hmm. mind in terms of their studs up front, their goaltending just doesn't seem to be coming together for different reasons. Both teams have their issues, but they're not the same. And then the defense, you know, very strong pieces in the top four, and maybe you fill out the depth. Like it's their roster construction is pretty similar. It's funny because. We're saying this about Edmonton uh, last couple of years, and I think everyone just points to Connor McDavid as the reason why things have turned around. But you know what? The the underrated player on that whole mix is Cam Talbot. Um, All of a sudden, he's giving them quality number one goaltender. um, uh, He's giving them goaltending night after night. You put Cam Talbot in Calgary, they're probably, well, they're already doing well. 
Uh, you put him in, you put Cam Talbot in Winnipeg, and maybe that's a playoff team. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Frederick Anderson in Toronto. Um, he's another guy that probably doesn't get as much uh, accolades as uh, Marner, Matthews, or Nylander or any of those kids. But really, um, that's the, been the big difference. Uh, you don't have a Bernier or a Reimer back there in net. You've got a guy that night after night Babcock can go to in net. So um, really goaltending has become the biggest thing in the NHL. So in the summer, you, I fully expect teams like Calgary, um, maybe even Ottawa to a degree, just because because I don't know what uh, the future holds with a guy like Craig Anderson. But uh, a lot of the Canadian teams, uh, year after year, that's been their problem. Uh, the reason why Montreal's continually um, either a playoff contender or a Stanley Cup contender is they've got the best goalie in the league. With Edmonton, just to peel back a couple of things you said there, they made some two minor moves today. They picked up, or I guess one was yesterday, uh, David DeHarnay. And then uh, Justin Fontaine today, like, like really, no, oh, like man, guys that that Fontaine are just, now. yeah, <laughs> don't sleep on them. Uh, were you surprised that they didn't do much? I know that it was a small move in getting DeHarnay. Oh, get that's it? wow! <laughs> and I also liked how your eyes bulged out of your head when you're <laughs> telling he's, that joke because he's literally small. <laughs> <laughs> now you're explaining the joke. Yes. I like it. I, I, you know, I. Like I said before, um, this wasn't the year to go all in. No. And DeHarnay gives Edmonton a little bit more depth up the middle. It means Leon Dreisaitl is definitely not going to play center. He can stay on McDavid's wing. Um, I guess Nuge, is, uh, is he banged up right now? I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. I, I thought he was hurt. So either way, it's just a little depth. Um, DeHarnay is not a great face-off guy, and I think that's where they're probably looking to um, get a little help. But – I, I, like I said, like, I, I don't have a problem with either Edmonton or Toronto or uh, Calgary not really going crazy at this deadline because it's not the, their year. Like, I want to see another year. Um, I want to see McDavid get to the playoffs, obviously, and get some experience, and especially for guys like uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Jordan Everly, who'd never played in the playoffs. I think it's crucial for those guys to get that experience. Next year, if we're in the same position and Edmonton's at the top of the Pacific Division, yeah, make your move. If you want to trade some prospects, want to trade a draft pick or not, maybe that's the time to do it. But this year, let's just get in there and let's see what playoffs are all about. Yeah, it's hard to argue against that. The only Canadian team really that should have been buying hard was the Canadians. Yeah. And, I mean, they picked up some pieces, but I don't think they they really did much to uh, to spin their wheels forward in in any sort of dramatic way but uh, <laughs> you, you don't like fourth line big tough guys Steve Ott, no <laughs> no uh, it, it was weird I, I in one respect i don't mind that they didn't go crazy because who are they going to trade sergachev yeah first round pick maybe michael mccarron like oh it's just crazy talk right um in the same way I almost think Claude Julien, he just gets there. He's trying to implement implement a different system than Terrian. Maybe he needs a full year um, to do that. And I almost got the feeling, like, when you look at the guys they got, very Bruin-esque players. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When we're looking at some of those big names. Like, like Dwight King, what is he, 6'4", 230. He's a big boy. Um, the <laughs> other guy they got, I can't remember his first name, Martinson, 6'3", 220. Ott's got something like 63 penalty minutes this year. The truculence so, is arriving in Montreal. Yeah, very kind of. But like, they already had. It Andrew like Shaw. Julian was kind of on the phone 
saying, all right, get me this guy, get me that guy. Well, there's definitely a theme, so there's no doubt that this isn't by accident. They they wanted toughness for whatever reason. But Julian's won that way in in Boston. You just got to be careful, though, because we saw what happens in Toronto. Uh, Carlisle seemed like he was calling a lot of the shots and getting guys like Clarkson, Boland, um, playing or um, playing that really tough style that worked for him in Anaheim. Playing or and McLaren at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? In a couple of years, the league had shifted, and I wonder if uh, Julian's going to run into the same problems there where Montreal now, uh, are they sacrificing some skill, bottoms, uh, bottom line or bottom six skill uh, for guys that are just going to go around intimidating? So... I don't know. Um, at the same time, you got Carey Price. <laughs> you got Rajalov playing great. You got Pacioretty playing as good as he's ever played. Yeah, you got to pounce at some point. Yeah, so maybe this, maybe these are the right moves. I don't know. I, I don't. I still don't think this is Montreal's year. Former Hab to segue here. PA Parento. He's played for like ten teams by now, but former Leaf, former yeah. <laughs> Hab. <former>. He's gone <laughs> from the Devils to Nashville for a six rounder. I thought that's a pretty savvy move. Yeah, he's cheap. And Nashville's another team that could be a sleeper team in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, the way that they've played in the second half versus the playoff, it, it's completely different. P.K. Subban's playing great. Pecorino is playing amazing. Um, Philip Forsberg has emerged as one of the I think he has tops. 10 goals in his last five games. Yeah, he's been that good. He's been outstanding. So you had another guy that Pierre Parento, what does he do? He scores. Uh, yeah. he's, a great, he's great on the shootout as well. So if they get in any trouble, he can help them there. But... Um, yeah, and it's a move that doesn't cost a whole lot. Yeah, the trade deadline, man. I'm just shaking my head. It's been a long day, but at the end of the day, you go, so what actually happened? Oh, a bunch of marginal players or a bunch of depth players moved. That's the thing. Someone's going to ask you, like, you're going to go home and your friend, wife, or whatever is going to be like, oh, so who who moved today? And you go, be a parent <laughs> Nashville. Pierre Perto, yeah, he's this, he's this like, okay player. He's, I mean, he, he's he's probably average, a little above average. I don't know where you put him in. And then you catch yourself, you're like, that's the guy that I'm yeah. landing on? Jerome McGinley got <laughs> traded. You're like, oh, he's still playing the league. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah barely. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's one of, you know what, maybe GMs are just wising up, man. Like, last year, Pittsburgh wins the cup. It wasn't based on their deadline moves. Like, they picked up Schultz, and they had Haglin, I think, a month before the deadline. But – Really, it was on guys from the minors coming up, like Matt Murray, Brian Rust, Connor Sheary. Those were the impact players um, in terms of the new acquisitions and even their coach, Mike Sullivan. So maybe teams are wising up, saying, you know what, why, why kill ourselves? Why empty the cupboards for a rental player when it, it's not going to actually add up to a, a Stanley Cup appearance? Well, and the Penguins got ahead of the, of the curve here. They got on the 23rd of February, Ron Hainsey. For Danny Cristo and a second rounder, so they picked up a not a bad pick a de- like a depth defenseman that and the way they get Kyle they've had Quincy injuries. Today? What's that? They get Kyle Quincy today. I believe so. Yeah. So scrolling through all these trades, it's hard to keep up. But I think they've I think they've figured out the the deadline play to get ahead of the curve and to set the market. Really, is what is what a Hainsey trade oh, did. Sorry, Mark Streit. Mark Streit. That's what they got. So they got another depth defenseman. You know, and not, that helps. Like, man, I covered the Buffalo Sabres that one year where you're going, this team is a Stanley Cup team. And then it was like defenseman after defenseman just kept falling, whether it was from blocking shots or whatever. And then by the end of it, they had like no one uh, playing defense. So maybe picking up defensemen. And that was the that was the theme of the day, depth. Yeah. Like, well, it was all like 
grit and oh here this guy provides uh sandpaper or this guy provides intangibles or there were no real like blockbusters either no. there i mean if you go back a few days the martin hansel deal was like a semi-blockbuster because it had a lot of parts a couple of picks first round or two. yeah like it, that was uh maybe the biggest splash and really savvy move by uh john chaka the gm for arizona there but to circle back to shattenkirk you just have to go all in i kind of applaud them for it yeah, and, and you know the Rangers also. I, I like what they did at the deadline and getting Brendan Smith. And right, it, it might have been a depth. <sighs> is that the word we're going to use again? Yeah, it was more. Is that depth? Yeah, second rounder. Yeah, to give up for him, that's not a bad. It was a second and a fourth they gave. Yes. Oh, a third round pick and a second round pick. So that's that's it's a big bundle. But I don't know. Like Brendan Smith, I, I would have loved to see. Uh, the Leafs take a chance on him because that was that was the one thing I thought Toronto was really missing is either top four or at least like a four five defenseman, um, just so you have to see, just so you don't have to see Hunwick and Polak out there every day. Yeah, I wonder if how they were how active they were in terms of throwing those guys' names out there. Yeah, they, they could have done one of those things where they're buyers and sellers. Yeah, and we just didn't see it. So, you know what? Uh, I think. The question is, like, how many Canadian teams are going to make the playoffs? And right now, I think five out of seven are in a playoff spot, although it looks dicey for Calgary, yeah. looks dicey for Toronto. Like, you're right on the bubble in that, in that regard. I mean, dicey. Um, so and, maybe four out of seven if we split the Yeah, difference. and if it's five, like, wow, what an upgrade from a yeah. year ago where it was literally zero uh, teams make the playoffs. And But, yeah, it's just, it's, I almost see this as step one. Uh, in terms of their rebuild in the sense where you get your feet wet in the playoffs and then let's see what happens next year at this time next year if all the canadian teams are literally doing nothing then i might have a problem with it but um to see just like minor moves made i, I think a lot of fans are probably um breathing a sigh of relief rather than going oh geez i can't believe we gave up that guy well, we better win it this year Let's leave then on a note where we, we, we filmed a video before this and basically did the same thing. Who, let's talk about who your Stanley Cup winner was at the start of the season, who your prediction was, and if it still is today the same, or at least the two teams that are going to make it to the final, I think, East and West. I think I had Tampa against Chicago. I'll stick with Chicago. Um, I like getting Odilia back. I think Jonathan Taze is playing a lot better than he did in the first half. Uh, now he's playing better in the second half than he was in the first half. Um, and that team is just so battle-tested. Uh, I would never really kind of count them out. From the East, obviously I'm not going to go with Tampa because they're probably yeah, not tough. a playoff team, <laughs> even with Stamkos coming back. Um, I think... You know, I'll go kind of off the board. I'll, I'll say the New York Rangers. Okay. Just because I really like how Henrik Lundqvist has bounced back this year. I like the addition of Smith. I think they've got a lot of guys that just have been there before. They don't get rattled uh, when the playoffs come around. So, and you know what? It's it's not as flashy as a pick as picking like Washington or Pittsburgh. I had Tampa as well making the final. So, I guess I'll have to revise that. Did pick Tampa? Either the Penguins or <laughs> the Rangers. I don't know if I trust the Canadians. Oh, no. So, between those two, I really let... I don't want to... It's going to be a bloodbath when they face either Ottawa or Toronto. Just, just to spite you, I'm going to go with the Penguins. Yeah, that's fine. They're both really fun teams to watch, though. I the never Penguins pick on the, repeats. No. That's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but I had the Sharks on the west side, so I'll stick with that. They picked up Hanson at the deadline. So you're going a literal repeat of last year's Stanley Cup I'm not screwing around. <laughs> if I remember correctly. This hasn't happened since what? No, no, no. Tron not, oh, said, I guess I am. Yeah, my revised one is a repeat. Well, I'm doing it. 
<laughs> Johnny. I know, I know. I'm so taking I guess huge in this, risks. In this alternative universe, San Jose wins this time. <laughs> yeah, sure. That was my cup, my cup pick winner. Oh, so, um, that's funny. That's what I went at the start, and I mean they haven't really done anything to convince me otherwise. So, go Sharks, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> go Yana Canson. Yeah. Right. Well, it should be fun. Yeah, uh, Mike. How can people check out your work? Uh, obviously, uh, in all post media publications, including. If you're in Toronto, Toronto Sun, National Post, but uh, on Twitter as well, I retweet all my stories. So Michael <laughs> underscore Trikos. You got it. You got to sell promo. It's just part of the life. Yeah. The lifestyle. I got an Instagram as well. I wow. got a Snapchat. I got a Tinder. <laughs> no. Now you're just venturing into things that you shouldn't be talking about. <laughs> I don't even know half of these things are. All right, Mike. Thanks for coming on. All right, thanks.